The first Bible reading is from Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 to 12. Verse 1. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots a branch will bear fruit. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The Spirit of wisdom and of understanding. The Spirit of counsel and of might. The Spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness he will judge the needy, with justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, with the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked, and righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the sash around his waist. The wolf will live with the lamb, the leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf and the lion and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear, their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den, and the young child will put its hand into the viper's nest, and they will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him and his resting place will be glorious. In that day, the Lord will reach out his hand a second time to reclaim the surviving remnant of his people from Assyria, from Lower Egypt, from Upper Egypt, from Cush, from Elam, from Babylonia, from Hamath, and from the islands of the Mediterranean. He will raise a banner for the nations and gather the exiles of Israel. He will assemble the scattered people of Judah from the four quarters of the earth. Romans chapter 1, verse 1 to 7. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. Who, the gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets and the holy scriptures regarding his son, who as to his earthly life was descendant of David. And though through the spirit of holiness was appointed the son of God in, by his resurrection, from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Through him, we receive grace and apostleship to call all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith for his name's sake. And you also are among those Gentiles who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. To all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be his holy people, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, uh, Sydney, and thank you, Sarah. Uh, welcome to Windsor District Baptist Church. My name is Jonathan. If I haven't had a chance to say hello yet, 
Hello. Uh, it's great to, great to see you all here this morning. Uh, welcome to those of you who can't be here but are joining us online. Uh, we are glad, to, uh, glad you can be with us, and we look forward to seeing you in person uh, when possible. We are starting a new series this morning uh, that is a textual and topical series. The series is What is the Church?, and I just want to just get a bit of housekeeping out of the way first. Uh, I brought a couple book recommendations with me. Um, this book is called From Adam and Israel to the Church. It's by a gentleman named Benjamin Glad. Uh, it's a biblical theology of the people of God. If, if this is a new sort of topic for you and you're trying to understand how uh, the church fits in with the wider picture of what God's doing through from, from Genesis all the way to Revelation, I really encourage you uh, to pick up this book. It's very accessible. He's got some great illustrations and charts in there. Uh, this book is called Sojourners and Strangers. I love the topic. Oh, thank you, Tim. Um, uh, the Doctrine of the Church by by a Baptist theologian named Greg Allison. Oh, brilliant. Thank you. Um, so these are two, two book recommendations. If you want something a little more, uh, if you want something very meaty, you can, you can check this one out. These are some resources that I'll be using as we go through uh, this series. Uh, but the question, what is the church, I think is, is one that, uh, it's, it's always a relevant question. But but it's, it's also a pertinent question right now. Uh, our, our age is one uh, that is questioning everything, it would seem. Uh, and in our, in our questioning, we are, we're asking, what's the place of church? Maybe you found yourself asking this question. You know, we've been through two years of, of COVID. Uh, we've been on the lounge. We've been watching church. We've been podcasting. We've been YouTubing. We've been doing all these things. And we may be saying, what is sort of what's the place of church? Uh, some people ask this question because it might feel like the relevance of the ethics and the morals are sort of outdated. Um, what do you what do you need the church for? I mean, if Jesus finished the work on the cross and you can come to him for your salvation, why do you need to come to church? Uh, maybe this is a question that you're asking. Um, but we're we have some aims in this in this series. Um, we're going to be going throughout the Bible looking at what it means to be a part of the church, what, what, what God says about the church. But for us, here's what we're hoping for. We're hoping we can reorient our focus, reorient our focus of why we're gathering. Uh, when we gather, wh- where are we looking? Are we looking, are we looking at ourselves? Are we looking at, 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 at God? Are we looking at the world? What, what are we looking at when we gather? We want to remember our purpose. We want to really get our heads around the why. Why church? What is our purpose? We want to renew our love. Um, this is really important in light of where we've been. We, we, we are in a season where, where the, uh, the isolation has bred kind of an individualism within the West where it's really easy to just focus on ourselves and not to look to God or to others uh, in a stance of love. And finally, we want to reflect, we want to reflect our God. That's, we're going to see that one of the purposes of the church is, is to be that reflection of his image. So there's some aims for us. Here's where we're going. 
a bit of an overview. Uh, so we're going to take 12 weeks to look through this look through this series, and we've really structured this around uh, the Trinity, around the Triune God. So uh, the first the first section deals with the church's uh, the church in relation to God the Father, and we're going to see we're the assembly of God's people. Um, and then next the next section is the church is the redeemed of the Lord, what that means, and then finally the church those born of the Spirit. Uh, this is a bit of an overview of where we're going over the next the next 12. 12 weeks. Uh, this morning, we are here at, at this blue one, <laughs> the assembly of God's people. Uh, and that's how we're going to answer that question. So we're going to answer that question 12 different ways uh, as we look through this series, try to understand it as we survey the scriptures and go through go throughout um, the Bible. Uh, but as we start this, this discussion of the church, um, we need to start at a very foundational level. The church is the church is the assembly. That is actually what the word church means. It means those that have been gathered, the, the, the assembled ones. Um, and it's not just any sort of assembly. It's the assembly of those who belong to God. It's the, one that have, the ones that have gathered because God has called them. And so our big idea today, what you need to keep in the front of your mind is that the church is for those who rally to Jesus. The church is for those who rally to Jesus. That's what we are at our core. No matter your background, no matter where you start from, no matter your status, the church is defined as those who have gathered, who've rallied, who've sought uh, to come to Jesus. But our big question this morning is, why does the church gather? If, if the church is, is, is essentially a gathering, it's, if, it's, if it's an assembly of people, if that is what it is at its core foundation, what, what's unique about this? Why, why is the church gathering? I mean, we, we live in a society that has many different types of assemblies. You, you, you can gather for the Rotary Club. You can gather for, uh, you know, the, the, the kids' sport or, or soccer. You can gather as... Uh, you know, with your, through your school or through some form of education. We gather in all sorts of ways. You can gather in a political party. But what is unique about the church gathering? Why does the church gather? And so just to give you a bit of an overview of where we're going this morning, um, we're going to answer this question by doing the, the age-old sort of, we're writing a news report in school. So uh, you're, you know, maybe year three, year four, you're, you're in school, your news report, you're trying to say, what's, what's special about this? What's happening? You go through the five, the five W's and an H, right? Give me the who, what, where, when, why, and how, okay? So, so we're just going to, we're going to skim the surface this morning. It's going to be very basic, very, very introductory. Isaiah is going to help us tremendously as we look at this, but it's really that, that who, what, where, when, why, and how of the gathered people of God. All right? We clear on that? Great. All right, let's pray as we seek the Lord's help. Father, thank you for the privilege of being called by you and being called and numbered among your people. Lord, we pray this morning as we open the scriptures that your word would speak to us in a mighty and powerful way. Father, thank you that your spirit indwells your people and that Christ has enabled us, has brought us into your presence. And so we confidently pray that you might show us your grace, that you would renew our minds this morning, that we'd understand what it means to be gathered to you in just that little bit clearer picture today. 
In Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, so our text this morning is Isaiah 11, 1 to 12. Uh, I, I couldn't, I didn't have us read all the way to the end of the chapter, but you're going to want to, we're going to dip our toes into the end of the chapter. If you have a Bible, you're going to want to keep it open to Isaiah chapter 11. Occasionally, I'm going to reference Romans chapter 1, verses 1 to 7, which is Paul's introduction, because that enables us to see how Paul is taking these ideas that were promised in the book of Isaiah, and he's adopting them or uh, applying them to his understanding of the church. So if you have a Bible, Isaiah chapter 11, I see someone likes to do the audio Bible just like me. Amen. I love it. Uh, no shame in that, but, uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, keep it open. Isaiah chapter 11. Uh, and we're going to work through, not necessarily in the order uh, of the prophecy, but in sort of this logical order uh, that we presented here. All right. So the first question is, if the church is a gathering, if it's an assembly, who is calling this assembly and who is coming? If the church is a gathering, if the church is an assembly, who's called it and who's coming? Really important questions. Now, Isaiah gives us some very clear language in this text. Uh, he says in this description of the gathering of the scattered people of God, he says in verse 11, in that day, the Lord will reach out his hand a second time. The Lord's hand is doing a few things in this passage. It's reaching out, it's gathering. If you zoom down to the end of chapter 11, you'll see the, the hand of the Lord is, is like uh, uh, a scorching wind um, that he's going to use to clear a path. But here, uh, God's hand is reaching out. It's all, his hand is also going to raise a banner, which we'll get to very soon. But who is calling? The church are those who are called by God. This is fundamental. Fundamental. The church gathers because God calls them. If our understanding of the church is those who have self-selected, have, have self-identified with a particular way of life, with a particular ideology or framework, if that's, if that's where we stop in understanding why we gather, then we've missed the whole point. The church is the response to God's initiative. It's the response to the call and the summons of God. As Isaiah foretells, God is going to reach out his hand and he's going to take back a holy remnant for himself. In this way, our creator is beckoning wayward image bearers to return to his holy presence. Some very smart scholars of the scriptures have, have looked at the creation account, and one way to understand the creation account in Genesis 1 and 2 is that God is, is creating a, a temple, as it were. His creation of the cosmos is, is preparation for his dwelling in the temple, and so there's a, 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 a liturgy or the language of, of worship, a preparation for the presence of God. And as vice regents of that presence, Adam and Eve are given responsibilities within this, this tabernacle, this temple. And, and Glad in his book points out uh, very, very clearly how you know, Adam and Eve are sort of the first royalty. They're, they're rulers. They're, they represent God's authority. They're also, they're also priests in that they're, they're to distinguish between the clean and the unclean. And they're also prophets in that they, they take the word of God and they are meant to share and reflect and represent that. But that goes pear-shaped pretty quick, doesn't it? <laughs> and the result is exclusion. 
So when we say the church is the gathering of the people of God, it's not as if we're saying, you know what? The creator decided to have a picnic. <laughs> Isn't that great? You know, I, the, God loves, you know, God loves potlucks. He just loves hanging out, getting people back together. It's way more than that. You see, the gathering of the people of God is the return to paradise. It's the return and then the restoration of the order that God sought to establish whereby he would dwell with his people. I really like this quote from Glad as he's talking about what it means for us now to be outside the garden. He says, if we are fully human when we dwell in God's presence, then the further we wander from that presence, the less human we become. Humans are created to dwell in the glory of God. The first man and the first woman were created to dwell in the glory and the presence of God. But we are not. After the fall, they are now kings without a kingdom, priests without a temple, and prophets without the intimate voice of God. That describes humanity apart from Christ. So when we say God is calling the church, he's, he's not just saying, oh, you know, I like you, and, and I like you, and I like you. He is reversing the curse. He's reversing the effects of the fall. He's gathering his image bearers back to his presence that they may dwell with him. We are fully human when we dwell in God's presence. The further we wander, the less human we become. Some really good insights there. So the church is, is an assembly of the lost, the scattered, the, the, the estranged, those, those without God. This is why, as, as the church, we are meant to be a safe place, available for the broken. Because those who are gathering in the church are called by God recognize that we, we were lost. We were without God, as Paul would say, without hope in the world. And, and so as we think about who is calling and who is coming, we, we need to see the church as a collection of God's people, not a subscription to God's services. Too often we put church in the category of, as a friend told me, Netflix. <laughs> it's a very expensive Netflix description, a subscription. You know, I, I, need to get, I need to get the streaming services of God. If I gotta get the blessings streaming into my life, well, you know, it's a little more than little more than 10 bucks a month. I also got to be around people. I might, have to, I might have to serve some. And, you know, if you don't like it, well, you can just, it's a no contract agreement. You just cancel and you go to the next church. You find one that you like. Being a part of the church is not subscribing to God. Not saying, here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tap and pay, and now God, unlock the blessings, you know, re 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 remove the paywall, and let me, let me now participate in the flow. No, no, it's not a subscription. The church is a collection. It's, it's those that God is bringing together, which is why enmity and strife among the brothers and sisters is so backwards because you're effectively telling God, I don't want that person here. Who are you, God, to bring that person into this gathering? Because says, hello, I write the invitations. I give them out. If I say they're welcome, they're welcome. Who's calling and who is coming? The Lord is reaching out his hand. <clears throat> Next question. 
what happened to call this assembly? Something, something must have occurred. If, if, if a gathering has been called, if, if an assembly is, is, is being summoned, what, what has happened? And here is where Isaiah's language really paints a beautiful picture for us. In verse 10, we read, In that day, the, this is a future time, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him, and his resting place will be glorious. Move on. Uh, uh, excuse me. We'll keep going. Verse 11. In that day, the Lord will reach out his hand a second time to reclaim the surviving remnant of his people from all these places. Verse 12. He'll raise a banner for the nations and gather the exiles of Israel. He will assemble the scattered people of Judah from the four quarters of the earth. Note the banner language. God calls by raising the banner of Jesus Christ. So this, this gathering that God is doing, this bringing people back into his presence is brought about by the lifting of Jesus Christ like a sign or a signal that reaches all the way to the four corners of the earth and Jesus is the banner. The root and the shoot of Jesse Luke brings these two images together in Luke chapter 1, verse 32. When God raised Jesus from the dead, he signaled to the nations, it is time to rally to me. It is time to come back to me. This is Paul's understanding so that he can walk into a place like Athens that hasn't even heard, is not even familiar with the God of Exodus, and he can tell them, he can say, God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ has appointed one man who will judge and rule over everything. And the resurrection is the proof. And so what this means is that the gospel is not happy thoughts or, or nice ideas, but it is really, it's glad tidings. It's, it's an announcement, breaking news. Jesus is risen. God is gathering his people again. The headline reads, Eden is open. Heaven's door is open. The day of salvation is here. That's what the headline reads. That's what the resurrection says. And so the church is those who've read the headline, who've heeded the call, who've, heard, who've seen, whether by faith or through their own eyes, have seen the resurrected Jesus Christ and are responding to him. They heed the summons of God in the raising of Jesus. This is what Paul says in his introduction. He says, through the resurrection of, of, of Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God has appointed Jesus. He's appointed him to this role. And in Revelation 22, Jesus uses this language about himself. When he says, when he says, I am the root. I'm the root of Jesse. Jesus brings this language in. We often use little cardboard signposts <laughs> and we, we advertise something and we say, hey, look at this, look at this, look at this. And oftentimes we think, you know, if God did a big banner, you know, why doesn't he do it in sort of skywriting where like, you know, everyone would sort of see it. The resurrection is meant to be the undeniable signal, but sometimes we just don't read the sign. You know, we say, look, if I was going to do a banner, I wouldn't do it like that, you know. Oh, he used cardboard. Oh, he used, you know, he used a Galilean Jew. Oh, okay. 
2,000 years ago. You know, well, I'm kind of more of a virtual reality guy now. God, if you're going to give, give the signal, this is how I want the signal. But God's saying, that's not how it works. He writes the banner. He raises the banner. And Paul understands that the banner is a stumbling block to Jews, and it's absolute foolishness to the Greeks or to, to those who are not Jews but who are sort of in the world. All right, so that's the, that's the who, that's the what, and now the where. Where is this assembly going to gather? And I made the dumb mistake of giving myself six points, so I'm sorry if I'm just rushing. <laughs> but I'm trying not to keep us here, not to keep us here all day. Where is the assembly going at? So who is gathering? God is gathering. He's gathering the, the scattered people. What has happened to bring about the gathering? It's the raising of Jesus from the dead. This banner, the shoot of Jesse being raised. Where is the assembly going to gather? Notice here, it's on God's holy mountain under Christ's banner. That's where the gathering is taking place. You say, what about God's holy mountain? We're working backwards through Isaiah. Verses six to nine describe basically Eden. It's the Messiah's kingdom. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. Notice, as one commentator would say, these, these natures are transformed they are changed. These two animals that might prey on each other, now they're, now they're herbivores. They're not carnivores. The wolf is lying down with the lamb. The calf and the lion and the yearling together. A little child is leading them. A cow is feeding with the bear. The young are lying down together. The lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den and the young child will put its hand into the viper's nest. It's a picture of peace and of tranquility. And this is what is summarized in verse 9. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. What was the commission to Adam and Eve? It was to be fruitful and to multiply. But in that multiplying, they weren't just to simply bear more biological life. They were to spread the word, the covenant that God had given and made. They were prophets and ambassadors. They were, they were meant to take the truth of God and communicate that. And so as they were filling the earth with babies and young people, as they were populating the planet, they were meant to be perpetuating the truth of God and the knowledge of the Lord. But here on the holy mountain of the Messiah, there is no harm done. Notice even verse 8, the appearance of the reptile, <laughs> the serpent. Do you recall the judgment that God placed when he put the curse? He said to the serpent, he said, I will put enmity between you and the seed of the woman. That enmity is gone. This is a picture of no conflict, a picture of no struggle, of no rebellion, of no uncleanness, of no of no hostility or violence. This, this is almost Eden, isn't it? But it is God's mountain. It is a holy place. Now we don't, if you look back at Isaiah chapter two, verse two, 
You'll notice that the, the Lord's mountain was the gathering point of all the earth. Here in this text, as Matyar says, all the earth is the Lord's mountain, wholly conformed to his likeness. This, this spreading out. God's dominion is not simply localized in one place in earth, but the whole earth becomes his holy place, his mountain. So where are we gathering? We are gathering into the kingdom of God where the Lord is known, where peace prevails, where natures are transformed, where, where the, the curse is undone and reversed and all of the flow-on effects of that have been completely eliminated through the Messiah's reign. Notice they gather from the four corners of the earth. If you look at uh, verse, verse 11 in Isaiah chapter 11, the places where God's people are coming from, they're coming from all different directions on the map, sort of the four, the four points of the compass. But the names that are used are instructive because some of these names are the biggest oppressors. God is telling his people that among your enemies, from your enemies, I'm going to call a remnant. From those people who have destroyed and attacked you and persecuted you, I'm going to call a remnant. Even places like Babylon, the, the word for Babylon used there is not, is not the common name for Babylon, but it's the name for Babylon that occurred way back when they were building the Tower of Babel. Which if you're reading the account of Genesis and you say, where does, where does humanity as a society, not just, not just one man and one woman, but, but where does humanity as a society just sort of thumb its nose at God and say, God, you can take it and leave. It's at the Tower of Babel. And Isaiah uses that old term for Babylon. As if he's saying, even from the farthest recesses of your pride, the farthest recesses of your rebellion, God will gather a remnant. The church will be universally representative, but not all will flock to the Messiah. The church rallies to Jesus and nothing else. I don't know where God's going to take you in this life, but while you are here, while you are a part of this fellowship, we want you to be rallying to Jesus Christ. We don't want you to rally behind a church initiative. We don't want to rally, we don't want to rally you to a program. We don't, want to, we don't want you to rally to any personality or, or, or any, any perceived gift that the church might give you. As long as you're a part of this church, we want you to rally to Jesus Christ. That means if he is not your focus and you're a part of this fellowship, then I'm asking you to shift your focus. If being at Windsor District Baptist Church to you is more about tradition or history or meeting your current needs presently than it is about Jesus, please shift your focus. And if you say to me, Pastor, you are not helping me focus, then tell, please tell me that. Because Jesus is our rallying point. Always has been, always should be. 
so much so that if you, if you shift the point, if you say, we're not going to rally to Jesus, we're going to rally behind even something that's really good, like, like having well-cared-for families or, or being, being available and generous. Those are good things. If that becomes the rally point... Our existence as a church is threatened. If you rally to, to certain particularities of doctrine, and I've seen this, if you rally to certain particularities of doctrine, which I'm not saying you can't hold, but if that, if you think that's the spot, if you think that's where we gather, you've missed it. We rally to Jesus. He is where we gather under his banner. This means that as long as your focus is on Christ, if your orientation is is towards Christ, you'll feel welcome and you'll feel at home. Whether you came to Christ last week or whether you've been following Jesus for 30 years, we can have common ground there. But if we make the rallying point something else, then we're not we will divide. This is what the church is. We have people from every, the church universal has people from every nation, tribe, and tongue. That is God's creativity and God's diversity and his love for all that he has made. But not everyone will flock, not everyone will rally. Jesus himself acknowledged this in Luke eleven twenty three. He said, after he, after he demonstrated his power, and he showed his disciples that it is through, that he showed his disciples that he is the strong man and that Satan is not going to continue to bully, bully around God's image bearers. After Jesus did that, he said to them, he said, whoever is not, whoever doesn't, whoever is not with me is against me and whoever doesn't gather with me scatters. He understood this. When is this assembly going to gather? Spoiler, now. Now is the time for gathering. It's right now. You're in it now. Now is the time when God is pulling things in. There is going to be a time when all the gathering has been done. The language here in, in Isaiah points to a bit of a second exodus. Jesus, he inaugurates God's kingdom. He secures a second and greater exodus. And, and in these overlapping ages right now, there's an urgency in us for evangelism, for repentance, and for discipleship. I cannot impress upon you enough. Please, don't get lulled to sleep. Don't get lulled to sleep. Don't. Don't become inoculated to the gospel. What do I mean by inoculated to the gospel? I mean hearing just enough of Jesus over and over and over again that you become familiar with his message, but you never fully host his presence. 
He becomes so familiar that you, you, you learn how to keep him at bay. You learn how to keep God at a distance. Church is, is, is a category that you slot into your life and you're familiar with what I'm doing right now and preaching a sermon. You know how to mouth the song lyrics and, and you know how to smile and to shake hands and to greet people and you adopt the Christian lingo. This, this is problematic. Now is the time to gather. Don't get sidetracked on the way. Don't, don't get caught up in quarrels and fights with the people who are trying to gather as well. Continue to rally to Jesus because the time is now. We are in the last days, the Bible says, awaiting the king's return and awaiting the fullness of the Gentiles to come in. God knows those who are his. He has a number. He knows every soul that will be in his kingdom. And he is patient and merciful in waiting for those to repent. But he also knows those who will not gather. And when all that have been gathered, have gathered, the time to gather is over. The time to assemble is finished. Don't get sidetracked. The gathering is happening now. Church are people on the move Their hearts are set on pilgrimage and the world is not their own. They're in transit. Think about how many people have heard the message. Think about how full heaven will be. You may feel isolated right now. You may feel lonely. You may feel like, I don't... I don't, I don't like this road. This is, this is very narrow. This isn't really working well, and this is difficult. But know that in the kingdom, you will be with God and with his people. The assembly will be constituted. The journey will come to an end. All right, almost there. <laughs> Second to last, why are we gathering Why are we joining this assembly? And I use the personal language here because this is what we are doing. We are joining the assembly because Jesus changes everything. Jesus changes everything. We, apart from Christ, we lack the peace of God and we lack the power to change. You look at the world today, this describes so much of it. Lacking peace and lacking the power to do anything about it. But now, when we've seen Jesus, we long to return to God, our maker. We, we want to know and obey the Lord. We want to share in the spirit. Our desire is to rest, is to rest in the presence of Christ, to see his justice, his righteousness, his faithfulness, his peace. All these things flow out into our lives. I mean, listen to how Jesus is described The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and of understanding, of counsel and of might, and the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. Jesus knows the Father. He doesn't just know about the Father. He knows there's an intimate relationship, and the spirit of God is on him, and that enables him to do what what is said in verses 3 to 5. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes. Or decide by what he hears with his ears. Aren't you longing to be known and to be seen for who you are, not for what you present? Aren't you longing to be acquitted? Are you longing for the wisdom of God? The understanding 
Righteousness, verse 4, but with righteousness he will judge the needy. With justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. People who don't normally get justice. People who don't normally get righteousness. So for those of us who are lacking that, Jesus is providing that. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, the breath of his lips. He will slay the wicked. Don't you long for a place where rebellion against God is over? Jesus has the power to do it. Righteousness is his belt and faithfulness, the sash around his waist. This is the one we rally to. The one with the spirit of God. He brings a peace that passes understanding. Paul understood that he was a servant of Jesus Christ and that he was given this news in the gospel. He was given it to go to the nations to call them, to call them to obedience, to call them to this one. Heaven is for people who want to know God. The church is the gathering of those who seek him, who fear him. And Jesus is the one we inquire of. Jesus is the one who, who, who reveals God to us. And so that's why we're joining the assembly. We've looked at this world and we've said, you know what? There's something missing here. There's something missing in this world. My, uh, there's something wrong in me. And I do wrong things. And I have wrong done to me. And, and, and there's this sense, there's this sense that things are not as they should be. And we see Jesus, and we meet a God who is loving and kind, but is also powerful and holy and just, who doesn't shift or change. We join because we see Jesus. Windsor District Baptist Church, please, please, please. Make our fellowship about Jesus. Make our fellowship about your, your beholding of him through his word, by the power of his spirit, in the lives of his people. Make that the gathering impulse. Don't come to church to generate a feeling for yourself. Don't come to church to... to to generate a reputation or to anything. Come to church. Join the assembly. Join the assembly because you behold Christ. You see, sometimes I think we don't feel comfortable talking about that. But if you ask us really deep down, why, why are we here? It's because the Spirit of God gave us a glimpse of Jesus. We saw his love and his tenderness and his mercy and we said, Yes. Yes, God, I want that. I can promise you, I can promise you, the more captivated we are with Christ, the more satisfied that we are in him, the stronger our unity will be, the deeper our fellowship will be. We will watch all these earthly categories that we walk around with and we use as options and, and, 
and different ways of labels that we put on ourselves. We'll watch all of those things disappear because when we gather with the people of God, we have a bond that is so much stronger. It's stronger than even blood. It is Jesus himself. We unify because we've seen him. Have you seen the banner? Have you beheld it? If you're looking around and you're just looking at, just looking at people in an auditorium, you're not looking at the banner. Sometimes we see Jesus beautifully in the lives of others, but sometimes we don't. Finally, how are we assembling? We assemble by traveling the road Jesus paved. Hebrews use this language when it describes Jesus as the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. I want you to Note, verses 11 and 12 describe God raising a banner and reaching out to gather his people. Verses 15 and 16 describe the hand of the Lord at work. Verse 14 describes unity among his, 13 and 14 describe the transformation that occurs in the relationships between his people. But note how this ends in verse 16. Sorry, 15 and 16. The Lord will dry up the gulf of the Egyptian sea. I said, I don't care really what's, what, what's important about the gulf of the Egyptian sea. The gulf of the Egyptian sea was important because that was the barrier between God's promise and his people with their enemy on the heels. And God says, I will dry up the gulf of the Egyptian sea. This is another Exodus with a scorching wind. That's the same language to use in Exodus. He will sweep away his hand. He will sweep his hand over the Euphrates, this mighty river, and he'll break it up into seven little streams so that anyone can cross over in sandals. God is removing impediments. And in verse 16, he says, there will be a highway for the remnant of his people that is left from Assyria, as there was for Israel when they came up from Egypt. God made Jesus a highway for us. You know the beauty of a highway? You just point your car in the right direction and you just go. You don't have to stop at the lights. You don't, get, you don't get bogged down in all this traffic. The point of a highway is it's straight and it's safe. It's clear. The church is those who are traveling that highway. Whether you're, whether you're a Gentile whether, whether it's a Jew, everyone is being gathered. No one is too far, but also there's, there's no other way either. God creates a highway for the remnant of his people, just as there was for Israel when they came up for Egypt. Jesus, in Luke's gospel, when he says he's going to Jerusalem, after he finishes on the Mount of Transfiguration and he's talking with Moses and he's talking with, with Elijah in this glorified state and the disciples are like, oh, 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 what's going on? Luke just records a simple fact. It says, and he was speaking with them about his departure, but literally the text says he was speaking to them about his exodus. That's what Jesus came to do to give a greater exodus, a greater deliverance. 
And so the church is those who are walking on that highway, who are crossing through that Red Sea, who have been liberated from that bondage. We are those on the way to the promised land after taking, after following after Jesus by taking the road of faith. That's how we assemble. And this is exactly what Jesus said in John 14, 6. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but me. But let me tell you, that way is a highway. If you fix your eyes on Jesus, you will find the presence of God. You will find the kingdom of God. You will know the love and the joy and the peace. You will begin to see the Messiah's reign in your spirit as you are reborn. Jesus is that highway. Don't get confused with the trappings of church. These are things we do to encourage each other on the way, but these are not the way. Jesus is that way. Like a highway through the desert. All right, so what does this mean? What we need to see here is that the church exists for God. God's idea, God's initiative. God's the one who snapped his fingers, clapped his hands, held up the banner. God's the one who wants his people back. As we've been saying, Jesus must be our focus and our rallying point. We are all on the same journey, but we may be starting in different places. So, Again, we can get confused sometimes because I was way over here and you were over there and we're walking, we're both walking to Jesus, but I'm looking at you. If I'm not looking at Jesus and I'm looking at you and I'm saying, well, why are you over there? You need to be over here. You need to be where I'm at. But if I'm looking at Jesus, I say, I see, I see where you're going. I'm going to meet you there. I know we're going to end up in the same place because we're hearing the same call. We've seen the same banner. Yep, you might have to go through taking off all this bondage. I may have different bonds to take off. We're on the same journey, but we start in different places. And and finally, our community should reflect God's glory not ours. The church is the gathering. It's the regathering of the lost people of God. It's a, it's a gathering that ends in his glorious resting place. This is what Eden was meant to be. We are moved from exiles to those who've been brought back, those who were scattered who didn't know God, to those who now know God. And shouldn't the church of all places be the place where we begin to to exhibit the glory of God, his power and his might and his majesty? To be very blunt, if church is a hobby for you, find another hobby. If church is is simply tradition, find another tradition. If church 
for you is because you realize that Jesus has summoned you. He has beckoned you. He has said, I want you in my kingdom. I love you and I died for you and I'm gathering you to myself that you would share in my glory. If that is your understanding of what it means to be the church, then please run. Don't dawdle. Don't trot. You've been summoned by the king. Did anybody wake up this morning and watch the Jubilee? Anybody watch the Queen's Jubilee? Nobody? Yeah? I got a laugh. Was that this morning? Yeah? I didn't, I didn't either. I didn't either. Uh, but, but, you know, we had that privilege of going over to Europe uh, a few years ago, and I was really fascinated. And we got outside Buckingham Palace, and, you know, you're walking through, and, 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 and they're giving you a tour. You know, the oh, look. This is where, you know, this is where the queen does this. This is where the people do that. And you, you stand outside and you admire. You say, isn't that interesting? And, you know, if you've been on a tour, you're walking at a, there's a certain sort of tourist pace, right? You know, we've all, we've all done it, right? Sort of the slow, isn't that nice? Yeah. Oh. And you may pause. Hmm. That's interesting. You tap somebody on the shoulder. Hey, did you notice that? Hmm. Isn't that fascinating? And then we sort of keep moving and we keep meandering. God hasn't called you on a tour. He's not saying, hey, I've decided that these are the visiting hours and if you would like to, you know, come and stroll and, 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 you know, and have a peruse and, you know, you might find some interesting things. You know, stay as long as you like, but, you know, you don't have to stay and, you know, just take what's interesting to you. You know, you, you find something interesting, you find something to, to get a bit of inspiration about and then you go home and go back to living your life and you'll be richer for the experience of having visited this place. No. The church is not on a tour. The church has been summoned. You see, it's a whole lot different if you open your inbox this morning and there it is, Buckingham Palace. The Queen of England has specially requested your presence at her jubilee. Would you say, oh, that's a really interesting, that's an interesting thing. Oh, look at that. Look at the stationery. <laughs> Isn't that funny? No. You say, oh, my goodness. The king or the queen wants an audience with me. God wants an audience with you. The church has understood that. We've seen the banner. We are rallying to him. We're not meandering. We're not, we're, we're not trotting. We're pursuing. And along the way, we're being changed. The church are those who rally to Jesus because the church is the assembly of God's people.